Good morning. Thank you for being here today. For those who are worshiping online, thank you for jumping on uh, and joining with us from wherever you are today. Uh, we're glad that you've chosen to come and make a priority out of being with the people of God and uh, worshiping the Lord. Uh, I want to share a quick update. Um, as you leave today, not for those of you who are online, <laughs> for those of us who leave physically this room, um, if you go out these doors, you'll see a sign that's out in the foyer, uh, a picture that was taken uh, of a, a mother and a child uh, who happened to be standing on the fence line of the property that God provided through you back in February. And uh, it's a picture that's meant to be an Ebenezer, not Scrooge, that's grumpy. Ebenezer is a Hebrew word, means stone of remembrance. Uh, so that's meant to be a stone of remembrance for us to remember what God did way back in February. <laughs> uh, for those of you who feel like it's been a whole lot of life since February, uh, I'm in that category as well. The cool thing about that picture is, um, and I don't have her permission to tell you this because she doesn't speak English. <laughs> um, she's not a follower of Jesus. She's just a next door neighbor to this ministry. And they've been speaking Jesus to her. It's pretty cool that she's our representative of why we're given to the nations, why we're giving away resources instead of keeping them here to build bigger stuff and fancier stuff, right? It's a pretty cool representation. So as you walk out and see that, I hope you'll remember what God is doing among us. That's really cool. But maybe what would happen if we just started every time we walk by that, just say a prayer for her, that she'll come to know Jesus. Yeah, wouldn't that be cool? I think that'd be pretty cool. That's way better than sending money. <laughs> to help them buy dirt. Uh, what if we prayed for fruit to be born out as they're speaking Jesus to her? Um, I, I got to go uh, to the Dominican this week and see that. I got to stand on that property. We got to pray over that property. Uh, the Lord has provided through your generosity. An exciting thing to see. A uh, school that will eventually, God willing, be there. And, you know, we just hosted an event here a couple Friday nights ago uh, on the importance of biblical worldview education and seeing all of lenses through the authority of truth and whatever. And so we actually were sitting together uh, at the end of the sermon this morning. You'll actually get to kind of see a picture. There's a structure on that property with no walls. It's just uh, trees that are painted with a little roof on it. But um, we're sitting there talking about the vision of what could this become and, and what could God be up to and all this kind of thing. And the deal is they've not had their Christian school meeting uh, in their current facility since the pandemic began um, in New Jerusalem, which is the Haitian refugee uh, village or community uh, that we're partnering with to help provide those resources. There's not really teachers in that community. And so the teachers went back to wherever their families were when the pandemic began and they haven't relaunched. And so starting in the middle of the school year doesn't really fit with the way they do stuff. And so um, we were sitting with the pastor, Pastor Edison. He was like, man, I'm just praying that God will let us restart and relaunch in August. And he said this. He said, because our community, these children, so desperately need. And then there was a pause. He got emotional. And I was wondering how he was going to finish that sentence once he gained his composure. They need biblical worldview education through the lenses of mathematics. And I don't you know. What's he going to say? But they're just starting back with the little kiddos, right? Like ages three to five, six. And this is the word he said. Two, two words he said. Sorry, English. Basic hygiene. 
I was thinking of this grand and wise, illustrious statement. And here's this man of God burdened that the children in his village, no one's teaching them. Jesus loves you, so we want you to take care of yourself. They're getting sick and even dying, not because of some random, awful disease with a name we can't pronounce. They're not learning basic hygiene. And so my brother Greg was there, and he said, hey, tell him about the toilets. I said, okay, that sounds exciting. And so he started to talk about their outreach program at that church in that village. And here's what they did. They scraped together the pennies that they had. And the pastor himself and his son and one of the other pastors dug holes. And they built this little structure with two toilets in it that are open to the community. Think about it. Like, what's your outreach program, right? Uh, So then I flew back and was at our home church in Florida. They just built this new facility with a gorgeous coffee shop in it and this huge indoor playground. And they invite the community to come hang out there for gospel opportunities, right? Which fits U.S. ministry. Their context of that, what's the structure we can build for outreach? Some toilets. You know, it's just such a different view of stuff and how God's using that and that we get to be a part of that. And so we finished talking and I'm like, I want to see the outreach center, (laughs) which is, those are the toilets. And so we walked over and we walked behind the church and I took a picture of this beautiful restroom facility. Not exactly beautiful. (laughs) Um, I did not utilize their free opportunity for the village there. Um, Took one more picture of an actual stall in there. This, this is the best thing in the community. Isn't that amazing? Um, And I share that this morning, one, just to update you about this ministry that we're kind of come alongside and partnering with, but also let you know of another opportunity, because maybe God God shocked me in February, maybe he wants to shock us in April. Here's the deal. Um, God willing, the school's going to start back in April. They already have more children than two toilets really are efficient for. Because they have this vision of they want to double that. They want to have four toilets and three urinals is their dream, right? At the end of that meeting, we met for hours, and uh, me and the other pastor that was with us said, how can we pray for you? And he said, pray for restrooms. You think about that? Like, pray that God will provide resources to build some more toilets. The problem is that's the very back end of their property. So they, there's a little skinny parcel of land behind them. Um, and so that, that pastor that was there said, we have $6,000 sitting in a mission fund. We'll give that towards it. And, and so here's the deal. Uh, we, we need to raise another $4,500 to build the new restroom facilities there. And to buy that little piece of land, it's $7,000, and then we got to put a fence around it because we've got to keep the kids in that area. And so here's the thing. We need to raise about $16,000 for property and buildings and toilets and urinals. So if God wants to put on your heart today to buy a urinal for Jesus... You can go to that same giving link. If you go to our giving portal as a church, it says general, it says missions. And one of the first ones listed there is the Dominican uh, New Jerusalem Project, the name of that village. If you weren't here in February, uh, it's called New Jerusalem. 
Every penny that comes into that will go directly to that project. We're not keeping a management fee or whatever. Like All of that is, is funds that we're giving away. And maybe somebody just wants to come up to me afterwards this morning and hand me a $16,000 check, and we'll just take care of that before we go home today. Because here's the thing. I just think God's up to something in this place. Jesus said the wind blows where it wants. It's not the job of the followers of Jesus to create a false breeze. It's our job to find out where the Spirit's moving and set our sails. And I just believe the Spirit's moving. And I want to get in on what he's up to. So that people who don't know Jesus will be able to use the restroom with some dignity and find out that the reason there's some dignity available to them is because they bear the image of God and we love them and want them to spend eternity together in heaven. Amen. Grab your Bibles. We're going to jump back into the book of Acts this morning. Uh, if you're a guest today, we've been working our way through the book of Acts this year, um, uh, verse by verse or story by story or whatever, section by section. And so we're going to pick back up uh, on that this morning. If you've not been here, don't worry. We're not starting up midstream in a story. Um, but we will invite you to join with us in our tradition. We hold up our Bibles because uh, we think pretty highly of this book. That's why we're walking through it verse by verse. And so uh, we say a creed together about this. And if that's where you're at today, then hold up your Bible and let's say this together. Even if you're at home online, say this out loud where you are. The Bible is the word of God. The truth of the Bible will change my life. Lord, open my heart and awaken my mind and give me grace to respond. Change me for your glory and my joy. Amen. Please turn to Acts chapter 5. If you're using one of the Bibles from the seat in front of you, I think it's page 858. Acts chapter number 5 is where we've been working through uh, here today. We're picking back up in kind of one of those summary sections where this covers maybe weeks or maybe months. We don't know, but this is one of those. We just kind of focused in on two stories last week, and now we kind of step back. It's one of those big picture perspective uh, kind of stories. And then it's going to zoom back into a single moment in time this morning. Verse number 12. Now, many signs and wonders were regularly done among the people by the hands of the apostles. And let me just say, by the power of God, through the hands of the apostles, they're not the stars of the story, for clarity's sake. And they were all together, again the word together, again and again and again in the book of Acts. We read this togetherness, this family thing, this gathered around a cause. They were together in Solomon's portico or Solomon's porch. It's the, the huge area that runs down the east side of the temple. So the Spirit of God is moving on the east side. Hallelujah. How about them apples? I like it. Verse 13. This is a weird verse, y'all. None of the rest dared join them. But the people held them in high esteem. What does that mean? That the crowd thought highly of them, but they weren't going to join them. Now, part of that's because of what we talked about last week, maybe with Ananias and Sapphira, and they were like, that's creepy. I don't know if I want to be in that club. Or maybe they're seeing already the persecution that's starting. Okay? To speak in that name that's healing people means you go to jail. So we're just going to enjoy the show, but I don't know that I'm in. And I think it's great that they draw a distinction. Because unfortunately in American church, 
We have a lot of people who claim to be a part of this thing when really I think maybe they're just kind of watching the show. And quite frankly, we live in a day where there's a lot better shows to watch if we just want to be a spectator. People were like, man, I've, I've counted the cost and I don't know for sure that I'm in. Which doesn't mean that God wasn't reaching people. Look at the next verse. And more than ever, <laughs> how's that? More than ever, believers were added to the Lord. Not to a cause, not to people, not to a following, not to a place. They were added to the Lord. And that's the thing. I, I desperately want to see this ministry reach more families with the story of Jesus. But not because we're trying to get a big crowd of spectators. Right? A lot of the church growth models or whatever, like here's how to get a crowd. Man, I want to see the Lord add people to himself here. Amen? Not people who follow us. People who follow him. Multitudes of both men and women, again and again, in the Old Testament, in the life and ministry of Jesus, and all throughout the book of Acts and the rest of the New Testament, is this super bizarro world, countercultural value of women that turned the world upside down, and it's awesome. Their, their community was so unused to valuing women that there's times God did something spectacular, and nobody even counted the women or children in the room. And again and again, the church of Jesus Christ is like, nope, we all bear his image. And so it's important that the both men and women, they're, they're making a big deal of this. So that, verse 15, they even carried out the sick into the streets and laid them on cots and mats that as Peter came by, at least his shadow might fall on some of them. That's weird. Verse 15, uh, 16 rather. The people also gathered from towns around Jerusalem, bringing the sick and those afflicted with unclean spirits, and they were all healed. I said last week that moving forward, oftentimes we're going to need to stop and ask ourselves, is this normal or is this spectacular? Exclusive, unique. Is this normative or is this God doing something unique in this moment and in this time? And here's the thing. We see both ordinary and extraordinary in this text. See, it's not supposed to be extraordinary that the church would have a good reputation in the community. That's not supposed to be odd. It's not supposed to be extraordinary that people are coming to saving faith in Jesus in that name. It's not supposed to be extraordinary that, that people are being loved, that those who are sick are being cared for and ministered to, and that people are being set free. All of that's supposed to be ordinary. Then we have the physical healings happening in mass and in a huge uh, 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 amount of people being healed. And that is not how it always works. Sometimes it's rare that there's seasons of physical healing. I believe God still absolutely 100% heals physically. He just doesn't always do it this much on this big of a level, right? And we also don't see people going, hey, can I just walk in your shadow? That's not normal. I'm just pointing that out in case you think that's weird, right? Maybe some of you are like, I like people in my shadow. <laughs> that's a whole different sermon on humility. But anyways, um, 
This idea of being in the shadow. And so I, I just want to reference this really quick because we've got a lot of ground to cover this morning. But I think this is worth mentioning. I don't believe the shadow had mystical, magical powers. This isn't the Peter Pan shadow that was alive on its own. And it's jumping around. They're like, if I can just chase that down, I'll get healed. This, this isn't some weird thing. I believe it's normal in the scriptures That when God gives us faith and we take a step of faith, he meets us in our faith. Right? We see the the woman who had had this, this sickness with her blood for all of these years and had tried everything, spent every penny she had. And she tried so hard to get to Jesus. And so she just reached and touched the hem of his garment. Remember that story? And she was healed. Is that because Jesus is so awesome that his clothes had magic powers? That's not what that means. I believe Jesus gave her great faith and then honored her faith with healing because she took a step of faith. The little brother of Jesus named James, who's about to appear on the scene here in this book, teaches in the book of James that if you're sick, you're to call for the elders of the church and they will anoint you with oil and pray for your healing. Is there any magical powers in the oil? No, I believe it's a step of faith in Jesus where we're putting feet to our faith. As a matter of fact, we had an instance at the very beginning of the pandemic, almost exactly two years ago, Jason McGowan asked that we would anoint him with oil. He called and asked that we would anoint him with oil as he was battling cancer. And that was during the lockdown shutdown. We'd been exposed his immune system might have been compromised. And we're like, I don't know if we should do this. And we don't know what to do. And we're just praying for wisdom here. And then we finally get back together. And the season had kind of passed. And here we are two years later and he's cancer free. We never anointed him with oil. He had faith. Amen. Maybe Libby had faith. And he just kind of hopped on her faith bandwagon. But whatever. We believe that healing was not. The oil never happened. But he took the step of faith. And I believe when God gives us faith and we take a step of faith, he meets us in our faith. And so I think that's what's happening here with this act of faith of getting people to the shadow. But let's keep moving. Verse 17, but. There's going to be some big buts in the rest of the story. Right? Newton's third law for every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction. People are being healed and saved and set free and they're unified and all coming together, but, but, so here's an ugly, but the high priest rose up and all who were with him, the party of the Sadducees, this is the Sanhedrin again, and filled with jealousy. How broken do you have to be that when brokenness is healed, you're jealous? And that's the thing. Religious structures tend to get jealous if someone other than the structure is getting glory. Instead of rejoicing that, that sick people are being healed, they were jealous. They arrested the apostles. And if I was writing the Bible, I'd have put parenthesis again. <laughs> but I didn't write the Bible. Um, thank goodness. <laughs> Amen. Thank you. The Bible is the word of Doug. No, no. They arrested the 
if somebody rips that off and makes it go viral, I will fight you. Okay. Um, they arrested the apostles and put them in the public prison. Now, here's a cool but. This is cool. This is, this, is, this is awesome right here. Here's another but. But during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the prison doors and brought them out and said, go hide and be safe. Be warmed and filled and go thy way. No, he said, go stand in the temple and speak to the people. So go back to where you were doing what you were doing that got you arrested. Why? Speak to the people all the words of this life. Almost every English translation capitalizes the word L there. Scholars believe this is a reference to the way, the truth, the life. Go back to that place. Speak to those people the name of Jesus. How cool is that? I've never been arrested, but if I do, I hope an angel shows up. (laughs) That's cool. Verse 21, when they heard this, they entered the temple at daybreak and began to teach. Now, when the high priest came, those were with him, they called together the council, all the senate of the people of Israel, And sent to the prison to have them brought. Now here's a funny but. This is, this is awesome. Here's a funny but. But when the officers came, they did not find them in the prison. You had one job. (laughs) So they returned and reported, we found the prison securely locked. Not just locked. Not just secure. It was securely locked. I don't know what that means. When you get to my age, sometimes you have to check the lock on the front door more than once before you go to bed. Did I already check this? I think maybe this means that. Securely locked. And the guards standing at the doors. But when we opened them, we found no one inside. So... Apparently, when the angel let them out, he locked it back. That was nice of him. Which means if you want to be angelic, put stuff back where you got it. I'm just speaking to my sons right now. That wasn't church. (laughs) Now, when the captain of the temple and the chief priest heard these words, they were greatly perplexed. (laughs) You think? They're like... We'll keep reading the verse. They're greatly perplexed about them, wondering what this would come to. I wonder if they remembered. This deja vu, this just seems familiar. Like just a few months ago, I feel like there was a, a place with guards and a seal, but it was empty. Does this sound familiar to you? And someone came and told them, uh, Guys, <laughs> look, the men whom you put in prison are standing in the temple teaching the people. This one dude's like, excuse, excuse me, excuse, excuse. guys, I'm sorry. Is that who you're looking for? 
It's awesome. I told you it's a funny butt. Then the captain with officers went and brought them, but not by force, because something's up with these people. They were afraid of being stoned by the people. So now all of a sudden they arrested him, threw him in the prison, and now they're like, oh, but you mind coming and having a talk with us, please? And when they had brought them, they set them before the council, and the high priest, it says questioned them, but you're not going to read any questions in the text. Right? We do that as parents sometimes. I want to ask you a question. Don't do that again. <laughs> right? And let's be honest, we do that as spouses too. Sweetie, can I ask you a favor? Stop it. That's not a question. That's not asking. Okay. <laughs> so they're, they're not married, but they're going to question him. Saying, we strictly charged you not to teach in this name. They won't even say it. Yet here, oh, y'all, please hear the word of the Lord here. Yet you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching. Oh my goodness, what if someone were to ever say, Temple, you have filled 76120 with the name of Jesus. Oh my goodness. <gasps> like y'all are obnoxious. Don't be obnoxious about it. But like, you filled Jerusalem. Is that not incredible to you? That's incredible. You have filled Jerusalem with teaching. And then this is, this is ironic. And you intend to bring this man, they still won't say his name, this man's blood upon us. Here's why that's ironic. Just a few months earlier, six months earlier, we don't, a year earlier, it's recent. It was short enough time ago they shouldn't have forgotten. <laughs> they were a part of a mob at Passover that cried out for the crucifixion of Jesus of Nazareth and demanded that Barabbas be released to them. And Pilate said, what is wrong with you people? He hasn't done anything wrong. They said, no, we want him crucified. And really, visually, symbolically, Pilate has a basin of water brought out publicly before the people. And he washes his hands. And he said, I am innocent of this man's blood. And they, these same religious leaders, cried out, his blood be on us and our children. And here they are a handful of months later going, are you trying to put his blood on us? And they never went, are you serious? Because <laughs> I think I just said, are you kidding me right now? But Peter and the apostles answered, we must obey God rather than men. See, the last time they were arrested and they stood before the Sanhedrin, which we said is like the Supreme Court of that day. They told them whether we should obey God or you, you be the judge. Y'all are the judges. You judge. This time they stand before them and say, you didn't get it right last time. So we're going to render a ruling for you. We must obey God rather than y'all. 
the God of our fathers, raised Jesus, whom you killed by hanging him on a tree. God exalted him at the right hand as leader. That's such a cool word. I wish we had more time to talk about that word. Capital L, leader and savior to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are witnesses to these things. And so is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey him. Amen? Right. Verse 33, when they heard this, they were enraged and wanted to kill them. So much for getting along kindly. (laughs) That did not last long. Here's another but. But a Pharisee in the council named Gamaliel, a teacher of the law held in honor by all the people, stood up and gave orders to put the men outside for a little while. You ever have an encounter with your kids, mom and dad, and they say something and you're like, I don't know what to do with that. Why don't you go to your room for a minute? We need to talk about how we're going to kill you. (laughs) Right? You know what I'm talking about? I don't know what to do with this. They're like, can you go to your room? We need to talk for a minute. Gamaliel is an influential man, brilliant man. His teachings can still be found in documents today. He's really famous for two things. He's famous because of his bloodline. He's the grandson of one of the most famous Jewish rabbis to ever live, Hillel. The house of Hillel was the name of his school, his seminary. And the seven rules of Hillel have been passed down for generations. That's his grandfather. He's also famous because he had a really famous student. A kid from Tarsus named Saul. But in this moment, he stands up and he speaks some interesting wisdom. He said to them, Men of Israel, take care what you're about to do with these men. Hold the phone, slow down, slow your roll. Let's talk about this for a minute. He's going to give two examples of why they need to slow down a little bit, and they're both awesome. For before these days, Theodos rose up. Maybe you've heard of that trinity of the chipmunks. Alvin, Simon, and Theodos. I'm sorry. He's already shaking his head at me. I'm sorry. That's that's so dad joke. That that's bad. But so we know very very little about Theodos. That's why I made up the chipmunk thing. We actually don't know anything about him today. Both of the people we're about to reference, we have no historical record of these guys, which is really significant. Check out the. There's two descriptions of Theodos. Number one, claiming to be somebody. There's a lot of leaders right now who are really claiming to be somebody. But you contrast that with Peter and the apostles who are claiming that there's only one somebody and they're nobodies who've been made a somebody by the somebody and they want to spend the rest of their lives making much of that somebody. (laughs) You meet somebody who claims to be somebody, be scared, run away, look the other way. 
And a number of men, about 400, joined him. So he's a leader. He had influence. But look what happened. He was killed. And all who followed him were dispersed and came to nothing. He was killed and his movement died too. And then he's going to give another example of the exact same thing. After him, Judas, not Iscariot, Judas the Galilean, rose up in the days of the census and drew away some of the people after him. He too perished and all who followed him were scattered. You see the distinction? Gamaliel's like, here's the deal. If this guy isn't real, his movement's going to die with him. And we stand here on real estate that they did not know existed 2,000 years ago, singing, what a powerful name it is. <laughs> That's the power of the resurrection, y'all. He died and the movement still lives. That's what makes him unlike any other leader. That's why he's a capital L leader and savior. He's the resurrected son of God. But I'm getting ahead of Gamaliel. So in the present case, I tell you, keep away from these men and let them alone. For if this plan, this undertaking is of man, it will fail. But if it is of God, you will not be able to overthrow it. You might even be found opposing God. Amen, Gamaliel. Yeah. Because here the cause still marches on. He had no idea how prophetic that was. So it says they took his advice, but that's not completely true. They mostly took his advice. They did not let them alone or leave them alone. It says they called in the apostles. They beat them. The incredible thing about this moment in history is through incredible research, we actually have historical record of this moment in history. We have a photograph, actually, of this moment in history when they brought the apostles in. I couldn't not like literally I wasn't even in the United States of America this week and this blew up my phone and I'm like we're talking about beating we have to talk about this okay back to the text they called in the apostles huh they called in the apostles. They beat them and charged them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. So they've warned them. They've warned them. They've warned them. They've arrested them. This time they beat them thinking surely that'll get their attention. Then they left the presence of the council rejoicing that they were counted Worthy to suffer dishonor for the name. Isn't that amazing? See, we don't know what it is to be beaten for his name. You know, at this time they beat them with their fists, and nowadays we just get beat up with words or memes 
or blogs or articles or gossip. They rejoiced that they were counted worthy to suffer for his name. I think that's the part of Christianity that gets left out way too much in the Americanized version of our faith. Right? Like nobody, nobody's handing out the t-shirt at summer camp that says, Jesus was beaten for you, you might be beaten for him. Who's signing up for that? Right? It's like the, the fine print that we've somehow left out of what it, it might cost us something to follow Jesus today. And these men and women rejoiced that they were counted worthy to suffer for that name. And every day, every day in the temple, they did not cease. They were told to stop, and they did not stop. Make make no mistake, mistake, that, that language is repeated here. They did not cease preaching and teaching that the Messiah, the Christ, is Jesus of Nazareth. Notice it says they went to the temple and gathered home to home. They were beaten and threatened. And you know what they did? They went to church and community group. For real. That's worth noting. I was having breakfast with a, a pastor in the area a couple weeks ago. And he said, I got to ask you, what, what do you think is next for the church, capital C, in the United States, post-pandemic, after the last election, after everything we've seen, what do you think the church is going to look like. And I said, I think she's going to look smaller and healthier. I, I think church, especially in the American South, has been so based on convenience and entertainment status. And do I like the programming? It's been consumerism. And whenever anything became difficult or conflicted, we just walked away from her. But there's a movement of God that people were beaten for and said, no, we're still going to gather with the people of God, both house to house and in the public place together. And that will endure. That'll keep marching on. Preaching Jesus. So I'll share this story and then we'll be done this morning. Um, I mentioned Pastor Edison Duclair is the pastor in the Dominican. Um, We took a picture together at the property that God provided through your generosity um, this past week. I actually met Edison 12 years ago. And I want to share this story this morning. And I'm not sharing this story to say, hey, he asked me a question. I said something smart. I forgot this conversation. He's the one who reminded me. In 2010, my brother Greg and I were in Haiti. Uh, For those of you who don't know the context, Edison is a Haitian pastor who's serving in a Haitian 
refugee village in the Dominican Republic, same island. Um, after the earthquake in 2010, we were there ministering in the city of Pettiguave. And as a disaster relief missionary, Greg was doing what he does best. He was on a bobcat moving rubble. And I was supposed to be helping make sure he didn't run into the security walls or that no kids came running in that they aren't used to seeing bobcats exactly moving boulders and stuff. But this young man, college student that I had just met, came up to me and said, Pastor, I need to talk to you. And he's the reason we were there, not rubble. It's for people. So I said, sure. And we sat down together. And Greg will tell you he was really mad at me for stopping the physical labor in order to sit with him. It was this Mary and Martha moment. Behold, Lord, he sitteth at the feet while I am working. And you know, whatever. Um, Edison began to tell me his dilemma, his struggle that he wanted advice regarding. He said, here's the deal. I'm the child that my family has chosen to get an education to provide for my family. And God's blessed. He said, I've, I'm almost completed with a law degree. And through circumstances that I can't explain, I've been invited into a program where I have a full ride, all expenses paid scholarship to go to Georgetown University in the States and finish their law degree and then come back here. And so not just my parents are putting a lot of pressure on me. My whole village see me as being like the hope of I can come back and help this desperate, starving, broken community. He said, so I know my family wants me to do this and my village really, really wants me to do this. But I want to be a preacher of the gospel. And I don't know what to do. So, hey, stranger, I met three days ago. Tell me what I should do. And I remember that part of the conversation, but I don't remember what I said to him. I remember going, ugh. But he told me that what I said is, Edison, you've talked clearly about what your parents want you to do. You've talked clearly about what your village wants you to do. And you've even talked about what you want to do. But none of those are the question that needs to be answered. The only question that matters is, what does God want you to do? And he said in that moment, he knew that he was called to preach. And he went to seminary in Port-au-Prince to a seminary that Manor Worldwide is connected with. Graduated with honors, started being the translator for all of the manor trips in Haiti. And then seven years ago, went to the Dominican to start planting churches. So you guys sent me to Haiti 12 years ago. And now we get to play in a story that I didn't even remember happened. How cool is the spirit of God? Right? Because now there's not just the church in New Jerusalem. There's five church plants that have happened in the last seven years. Out of this ministry. Incredible. Because I didn't remember all that, I sure didn't know the answer to this question. As we were eating a meal together this week, I said, so I'm guessing your parents don't like me. 
<laughs> he said, oh, they were so angry. He said, they couldn't understand why. They're not believers. Didn't speak to him for a long time. But as he stayed faithful, continued to honor the Lord, and then left and went to the Dominican to serve with the refugees there, they saw him being faithful to the Lord. His father is a driver. So one day he was driving. Edison had come back to Haiti, was going to preach at their home church there where Greg worked for so long. They're driving down the road, and his dad just pulled over to the side of the road on January 20th. I'm sorry, December the 20th. Pulled over to the side of the road. Edison remembered the date. Five days before Christmas. And he said, Edison, explain to me why this means so much to you. Explain to me how you could disappoint us. How could you walk away from that scholarship? How could you walk away from that opportunity and You've left your home. How? What is it about this? Edison sat there on the side of the road and began to walk his dad through the story of the gospel. The consequences of sin and our separation from God and the shed blood of Christ on the cross and his resurrection power and life. And and he told his dad, he said, I want to spend the rest of my life telling people about Jesus. And his dad said, well, how can I be a part of that? How can I follow Jesus? Sitting on the side of the road on December the 20th, Edison led his dad to Jesus. Less than 30 days later, Edison's dad was diagnosed with leukemia. Beginning of February... Less than two months after he'd gotten saved, Edison had the privilege of baptizing his dad there in that church in Haiti. And 20 days later, his dad passed away. Edison was not beaten for preaching the name of Jesus, but he was rejected. He did feel the weight of being a disappointment to the people who mattered a lot to him. But he remained faithful and just kept proclaiming Christ. And now he'll get to spend all of eternity in the presence of God with his dad. Because of that testimony, his mom gave her life to Jesus too. And so I don't know what kind of beating life might be for us to remain faithful in speaking Jesus just believe this with every fiber of my being it's worth it (laughs) it's worth it to be counted worthy to suffer in his name I don't know where you're at in your walk with Jesus I don't know where you're at in your journey of faith. Maybe you're like Edison's dad. This conversation is us sitting on the side of a Haitian road talking together. Maybe the date just became December 20th today. I don't know where you're at with Jesus, but I know this. He loves you. He sent his son to rescue you from every ounce of brokenness you've experienced inside of you and outside of you. And there's hope today in the name of Jesus. And it would break our heart for you to 
walk out of this room or to log off of this service and not know for sure that you've been born again, that you've experienced life in Jesus. And so in just a minute, as we sing a song about the resurrection of Jesus from the dead, there's going to be some men and women in the prayer room in the back if you're in this room, or you can text PRAYFW to 94000. We would love to have that same conversation with you that Edison had with his dad. Maybe for today you would just say, I need prayer because life has been a beating. And I just need some perseverance and some hope. We'd love to pray with you with whatever's going on in your life.